0: Hello, welcome to the Metacognition channel on Podbean. I'm Greg Thomas. This is a podcast that I did with Professor Neil Hovey at the University of Alberta at the Centre for Teaching and Learning. It was recorded in late 2019 and released on February the 18th, 2020. It was originally designed for university professors. In it, I provide an overview of many of the ideas that I'll be discussing in my later podcast with you. I'm very grateful to the University of Alberta for allowing me to use this podcast on my channel. I hope you find it interesting. Hi, and welcome to Teaching Plus, the podcast that introduces post-secondary instructors to strategies that you can use to enhance your teaching.
1: I'm Neil Hovey, Associate Director at the Center for Teaching and Learning and Professor of Biology at the University of Alberta. Today I am in the Whisper Room with Greg Thomas, Professor of Science Education in the Department of Secondary Education here at our university. Greg and I are going to discuss the role of metacognition in teaching and learning. To start, can you explain to us what is metacognition? Thanks, Neil. Metacognition is our knowledge and control and awareness
0: of our thinking and learning processes. But before we go too much into what metacognition is, I think we should have a, a working, everyday definition of what thinking or cognition is, because we have to be metacognitive about the thinking processes that we use. So the definition that I've used for quite some time now is that thinking or cog- cognition is really about how we self-communicate with ourselves to achieve certain goals or ends that we desire. They can be learning goals, they can be particular type of problem solving goals, anything that we do to make ourselves move forward. So what that really comes down to is that metacognition then becomes a knowledge of the sorts of self-communication, we can call these things thinking strategies that we engage in, our control of those thinking and self-communication strategies, and our awareness of how we're actually engaging that and when we're engaging it and why we're engaging it at particular times. Most of our thinking is quite automatic and we're not aware of the thinking that we're engaging in. And that makes it hard because for people to become metacognitive, they need to make their thinking an object of their own reflection. So going back to our definition a little bit, if we have knowledge of our thinking and learning processes, then we can divide that knowledge into three types of categories that we can then further examine. For example, knowledge can be declarative knowledge. And declarative knowledge is something along the lines of, what do we mean by thinking? Another sort of thing is, what do we mean by understanding? What does it mean to know something? So these are types of declarative metacognitive knowledge items. And if you ask yourself those questions, what does it mean to know something or how do I know that I know it, then these questions can become a little bit difficult to answer if you haven't thought about them before. Then there's procedural metacognitive knowledge. And this is a lot of what we tend to focus on in universities. We tend to focus on the types of processes that we want students to learn to be able to engage with the subject material meaningfully because when we're doing this, we're getting students to engage with material. When I stand up in front of a class or I give students an assignment, we're trying to predict in many ways the type of thinking that they will engage in to lead to the outcome that we're looking for. And we often plan these things almost intuitively to engage a certain type of thinking process that we want them to do to get to that goal. So procedural metacognitive knowledge is our knowledge of how we go about functioning to achieve those goals. What processes do we use? Let me give you an example. I say to someone or I engage myself in the process of analysis, well what does that mean? And it can mean various things to different people, but there is a process of analysis and the analysis, what the process of analysis is, might vary a little bit across subject areas but we need to be able to know what those words mean and how we engage in self-communication when we engage in a process such as analysis. That's procedural metacognitive knowledge. The other type of metacognitive knowledge is what we call conditional metacognitive knowledge. And that is when do we apply certain processes or ways of knowing at different times to achieve different types of goals. So for example, Memorization is one of those things that in a lot of education literature and learning literature has got a pretty bad rap of recent times. But we all know that memorization is really important because if you don't know it, then you don't know it. And if you can't know it and you don't know it, then you can't use it in a productive manner. So conditional metacognitive knowledge just talks about when we use certain types of thinking processes or when we engage that procedural knowledge, To be able to achieve goals that are relevant to the context and the task that we're working in. The other thing which I need to stress about metacognitive knowledge and about metacognition is that it's explicit. We need to make it explicit. We need to make it an object of attention with our students and with ourselves, firstly, so that we can talk about it in a way where we can share ideas about how we engage in the thinking processes that we use to benefit ourselves and also our students.
1: Thank you. That's a really good segue into the next question I I wanted to ask, which is, so now that we've got a sense of what metacognition is, why is this important for teachers to understand? Why is metacognition important for student learning? That's a great question, and it's
0: a question that goes back a long way into lots of different pieces of data or pieces of research, and also a lot of anecdotal stuff. For example, if you've been a teacher in a classroom where you've got to know the students really well, you'll know that there are varieties of expertise that emerge over the course of a a term or a year or a semester or something of that nature. And if you've got to know students well and you've talked with them, you'll often find that the distinction is not necessarily how hard they work, it's to do with the processes that they use to learn and engage with the material you'll often find that those students who engage differently, what we would say more adaptively to the task that they're doing, they're the ones who are able to succeed more. So we find that people who are more metacognitive are able to be more successful in learning. So student learning often comes down to what we do and think to meet our learning goals. It comes down to the sorts of questions we ask ourselves. So questions like, what thinking am I involved in when I learn, is a really key question. If you don't understand that explicitly, then the context changes. You might not be able to learn something effectively in a new context. Other questions like, what is learning? What is understanding? So we'll often ask students, do you understand this? But what are we really asking them for? Do we have a model? Do we have something that we can communicate them about? What knowledge is in particular subject areas? Other sorts of questions that good learners ask is, how do I know that how I'm thinking is positively influencing what I'm learning? Some people engage in practices that are not going to help them to learn and, They're not aware of it because they've never been asked to be aware of their thinking, so they continually make the same mistakes. Another question that they might ask themselves is, is my thinking appropriate for the learning that I seek? For example, some people will employ memorization when it's not the right strategy to employ. Some people might try to be creative or they might try to brainstorm when something more closed in terms of its focus is necessary in terms of thinking. So, you know, student learning is actually really determined by the processes that people use and if they're not learning particularly well, it could come down to the fact that they're not engaging appropriate thinking strategies because they don't know about the sorts of thinking strategies that can help them be successful in a subject area. So if I take for example chemistry, there are ways that successful chemists think about chemistry which are not necessarily apparent to the outsider. And so in a metacognitively oriented environment, people who teach chemistry in a classroom or a learning situation would make those types of ways of thinking available to students as well as the subject material. So what I'm really saying here is that there is a, almost like a curriculum or a course outline that runs parallel with course content, which is where people start to open up and talk about how you learn and how you interact with the material to be learned to achieve your learning goals.
1: Thank you, so I'm just gonna follow up on that and just to be clear for the little bit that I understand about metacognition. Sure. So you've talked a little bit about metacognitive knowledge, so that's more or less, you know, knowing about, for example, different kinds of learning strategies, perhaps. And then there's also regulation of that metacognition in terms of whether or not students know when is the appropriate time, the appropriate context to apply a particular learning strategy. Mm -hmm. So that gets into my next question. How can teachers facilitate students' metacognition? What sorts of things can teachers do to, to promote student metacognition in their classrooms?
0: Well, that's a really big question, you know, and this is where the taking ideas and findings from research is actually quite a distance from the reality of everyday instructors and teachers' daily lives. We know that metacognition exists in a theoretical sense. We have working models of metacognition, like mine is only one model. If you go to the metacognition literature, there are other models that other people also use successfully to explore the concept and the construct. But how you actually operationalize these ideas is something that I think we're lagging in. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the metacognition literature, there's no clear indication from a lot of the research as to how this is done. So I'm going to give you what I know from my own experience, from what I know works, some ideas for people to start thinking about this. And maybe in a follow up, we might be able to talk about these in some more depth. But I think the first step For developing metacognition in students or making them aware that this is something that is worth considering is for whoever is doing the teaching of the students to carefully consider the cognitive processes and the learning processes and strategies that they themselves have learnt or that they know that others have used to become successful in those subject areas. A lot of what we do as teachers is, becomes tacit and we don't think about it much. So the first thing we need to be able to do is to make what we know personally explicit to ourselves. We're not going to get this knowledge from textbooks. We're not going to get this information that we can pass on to students from any particular script or any particular textbook that's out there because the jargon in a lot of these texts is inaccessible. For students, they're meant for different types of students, so we need to be acutely self-aware regarding the thinking and learning processes that we use to learn and understand material. So that's the base. So if I'm teaching a a history class, well, what you know, what does it mean to think like an historian? Uh, how do historians think? How do I think as an historian? I couldn't begin to tell you that because I'm not a historian, but someone who has higher degree or great knowledge of history, a good starting would be for them to be able to articulate to themselves the processes that they use. And it's the same with all subject areas. And one of the things about people who teach at universities or who teach at all is that I think that they underplay the fact that they are not just subject experts, but they're also expert learners Mm -hmm. because they have achieved this level of excellence that others aspire to. It's, It's this notion of expertise. And so if you want to orient your class to becoming a community of potential experts, you have to share that metacognitive information with them and it begins with you so once you've got that what you want to do is you want to stimulate in students what we call a metacognitive experience a metacognitive experience could be something as simple as asking a question like tell me how you're thinking as you're engaging with this reading and what it makes the students do is it makes them reflect on their own thinking processes and that provides a baseline for communication between the teacher and the student about potential changes in the thinking processes that we might like to see. So we want to be able to teach them the types of self-communication that we engage in as subject experts to enable them to have a horizon to move towards being a subject expert like ourselves. So in my own teaching, I teach teachers. So what does it mean to think like a teacher? So rather than teach someone how to do a lesson plan, I would teach them how to think when they do a lesson plan. I'd ask them at the start of it, what sort of thinking processes do you think you need to engage in to do a lesson plan? That makes them think about their own thinking, and that's what we call a metacognitive experience. You always have to provide something for them to reflect on. Here's some specific, more specific ideas that people might like to use. One of the things that we know is that most of the communication that we engage in in classes is verbal. And we use a lot of words. We use words like evaluate, analyze, predict, explain, hypothesize. But we never really get to grips with our students around the meaning of a lot of those words in terms of what they mean for us and the thinking that we engage in. That means we have to make those thinking words more explicitly known to students when we Present them to them. And that's a good starting point. We call this sort of like a language of thinking. We use these words all the time. For example, we always ask our students, Well, what do you think? But these things are really too general to focus on the type of thinking processes that we want the students to engage in. Another technique is that once you've sort of got to the point where you think you've got something to communicate to students in terms of how you think, is to sit down and to to write a script out about what you will exactly say to the students. And these don't need to be long. If you do this with a class for two minutes, students notice students notice a lot about what teachers do and a lot about what teachers say and you don't have to do things for a long period of time in fact we know that some of the best things that are quite impactful happen in short sharp bursts but if you do it for every lesson or every second lesson then students will know that you're trying to teach them or trying to get them to focus on certain things i'm going to give you an example of a thinking process and i'm going to give you an example of a a script that I would use. So a simple thinking process is something which I would give the name to, like Phi Phi Fo. Phi stands for information in. Phi stands for information from experience and Fo stands for information that's left out. So what I would do with it when I'm using that strategy is I'd see a piece of information, it might be a piece of text, it might be a drawing, it might be a piece of artwork, listening to a piece of music, and I'll say, well, what information am I being presented with there? What do I know about this from experience? And then the last question I might ask myself is what's been left out? What more do I need to know? What problems do I have with this? So there are three distinct steps to using that type of process. So in a classroom situation, I might introduce the process exactly as I've just explained it to you now, but with some more detail and maybe some more examples. And then I would say to students, well, you know, today we're going to start a new session or we're going to examine this piece of information or this idea or whatever the piece of course content is. And I'd like you to do a five fee phone on it. So you can see that in that particular strategy, what I've done there is I've, Use three questions to guide my thinking. They are questions that I'm deliberately, consciously asking myself that guide my thinking. If you do this with students and you come up with a few strategies of your own, then you can communicate them to them and the students may or may not employ them. So this is another example of a type of strategy that you can use, and it's called scripting. You simply tell the students the type of process, you explain the thinking behind it, then you give them time to practice it, exactly like you'd give them time to practice the sorts of everyday skills in your subject area. Another thing there that I think is really important is getting to focus students on reflecting on the types of thinking that they've engaged in. And we can do that either formally or informally. If you do it informally, then there's a chance that students may not particularly be receptive to the idea. But if you put down a a sort of reflection on thinking part at the end of a task, then it becomes more formalized and it becomes more important. The other thing is to simply talk with people about how they're thinking about ideas at particular times, to make them open up about their thinking that they're engaging in and to have a conversation with them, maybe share your ideas about the thinking that you would employ at a particular time. The The thing about interviews is that they are themselves interventions. When you ask someone a question about their thinking, you automatically move them into reflection mode. And they can't escape from that if they want to answer the question. So you ask a question like, what does it mean to analyze? And the student has to think about what, what does it mean to analyze? How do I do that in my head? When do I do it? And what are the processes that I use? And so they start talking with you and through talking and through this interaction in an interview situation. And it doesn't have to be formal. It can be simply walking around a lab, walking around a seminar room. 60 seconds, 90 seconds, you do that for people, people know that your focus is on more than just the content you're teaching. So with the metacognition stuff, the reality is is we want to improve students' thinking and learning processes so that they can be more successful in the subject areas. I'm not saying it's the solution to all of the problems that students face, but on the average, if we were to do this with our students, They would notice it and it would give them a starting point for considering the thinking that they use and how to improve that thinking to learn the subjects that we think are really important and are the reasons that we work at the university in so many ways.
1: What I find fascinating about that is that you're describing processes that will engage students to more deeply consider what they're learning, which is what we're all about at the university.
0: Yes. What, and what happens with metacognition, of course, is that it gets shoved into a side compartment where people don't recognize its relationship with the success and otherwise of the students. I am a firm believer in the fact that we teach material at university that we think students need to know, because if we didn't, have that perspective, then what are we doing teaching in the first place? Coming along from that idea is the notion that we want them to learn it well. And we want them to learn it first. We want them to learn it well. We want them to understand it. So anything that we can do to help the students become better learners and better understanders of the material surely must be congruent with their goals as teachers to be able to help them to learn the material that we think is so important. It's very important that they learn this stuff. So how do we help them to become more self-regulated, more metacognitive, more in control of their learning so that they can achieve the things that they want to achieve, but also we want them to achieve
1: as teachers? This is so rich. (laughs) There's so many other things to to talk about, and I I think we're going to have to have a a second podcast at some point. I'd be very grateful. One of the things I'm interested that just came up here was this difference between disciplinary-based metacognition versus... Becoming a good learner—is there overlap? Is there differences? But I think that's another conversation. <laughs> I think I think it is.
0: But I think I can say just to, to to quickly answer that is that there are certain processes that we can use across contexts, and for example, reading the the, the metacognitive processes involved in, for example, reading and engaging with text. There's a sort of series of generic processes metacognitive and cognitive processes that go across uh, subject areas that can be employed. But, for example, the metacognitive processes engaged for learning mathematics or for learning English literature, they might be slightly different. But me not being a mathematician or an English major, I can't really tell you that. What I really think we want is for people to be seen as learning of ex-subject experts, not just subject experts. Mm -hmm. So I can go to my tutor, I can go to my professor, I can go to my instructor, I can go and I can say to them, how do I go about thinking about this, Mm -hmm. which is a very different question to what do I need to know about this? Mm -hmm. How do I think about getting to be successful at this? Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, that's certainly time for another discussion.
1: Greg, thank you so much. That's the end of this podcast for Teaching Plus from CTL University of Alberta. I think we'll be back with more about metacognition another time. Thanks for listening.
0: I'm Greg Thomas. This is the Metacognition channel on Podbean. Thanks for listening. Stay well.